Hi, everyone. Welcome to the RM Podcast. I'm your host, Debbie Toole, and I hope that you are ready for an all-new lineup of experts who are itching to step out of the parameters of traditional recruitment and talent acquisition speak and get real on what it means to recruit on a worker economy and, quite frankly, an upside-down world. Let's dig in together. Summer is right around the corner. May is here, I can feel the warmth in the air, and Memorial Day is just weeks away. In honor of Military Appreciation Month, we are focusing today's episode on how we, as TA professionals, can do our part to support our forces and help our military transition and thrive in the civilian workforce. Today, I am honored to be joined by Ben Ingham, Director of Brand and Marketing at Paraton, on how they enlist best practices for military hiring. Paraton works with the military in what they do and how they do it, focusing on the importance of understanding how employer brand initiatives are core to the growth and success of their business. Listen in to discover how Paraton attracts veterans with a promise for a simple transition and professional development opportunities. Ben, welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here. You know, we have quite a few of our listeners. In fact, I would say the majority of our listeners um, come from a recruiting background, but are very interested in the brand and the marketing aspect of talent acquisition. You know, I started in the recruitment marketing space about 15 years ago when it was still pretty much in its emphases as people were just really, you know, posting on job boards and their brand consisted of what is their page on career builder or monster or yahoo hot jobs look like and this has really evolved over the last 15 years but more so in the last five to ten years we've seen this infusion of brand and marketers coming into recruiting and really shifting the way that employers think about going to market for their employment brand i would love for you to share a little bit about your background and how you got into recruitment marketing and employment brand so I got into recruitment marketing in a, a kind of an unusual way. So I started my career in business development uh, at Northrop Grumman, so a government contractor uh, like Paraton, and moved my way into operations, understanding how the, the company worked. Uh, really went kind of went through all the paces there. Then moved into communications, and this was at the dawn of social media for businesses and for uh, really government contractors within aerospace and defense. And it was an exciting time. And I had the opportunity to go to the corporate office at Northrop at the time and start uh, shaping and growing the employer brand that they had. And that was the first dose of employer branding, recruitment marketing, and it stuck. And so while I am a, 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 a kind of a full scope advertising guy, uh, the recruitment marketing has stuck with me. It's, a, it's especially within our industry, within government contracting, it's an incredibly important thing. It is, you know, we are, our, our people are really our most vital asset. They are the people that are, are helping run critical government programs um, around the world. And it, recruitment marketing, I mean, this is how we are pulling people in and keeping them here and helping us as an employer stand out above, above everyone else. So that's, that's how I got to recruitment marketing. And it's become really a big differentiator for the company. Um, and it's been something that continues to be a, a, a real just force multiplier for us. And Ben, you've got a unique situation where Paraton to the average American is probably not a very well-known brand. 
and a lot of the work that you do, you can't just come right out and talk about. Is that right? Right. That's right. Yeah, we have a uh, we like I said, we work for the government and there are things we can't talk about. There are things, of course, we can talk about sometimes, but there is a lot of, of restriction around that. And we recruit from a very specific candidate set um, with a very discerning set of skills um, and specific set of skills. And, you know, it is it is a, a not something we don't have a product you can buy on the shelf. You know, that's that's one thing we often say. But, you know, at the same time, we see our jobs and our careers as products in and of themselves, right? There is something that we're selling there. There is something that is, it, it, it is not just, um, while you can't buy our things that we do on the shelf, you know, wherever you shop, you can apply it to work here. And so we look at our jobs as products and we look at them, you know, just as any marketer would at, at, a, at, a, at a company that's selling products on the shelf in terms of their attributes, uh, you know, how are they packaged? How are they, what is the value assigned to these things? You look back to the marketing mix some basic things here about how you market a product. And we apply that same line of thinking to our, our jobs. And, and you all have been a great partner, uh, Symphony has, in, in helping us get to where we are um, and, and take us even further. And, you know, everyone here is listening to us have this conversation. And so we are definitely going to have to follow this conversation up with a blog post and some information that actually gives our listeners visuals to the work that you guys are doing, because it is phenomenal and it is definitely differentiated and it is exciting. And for a lot of our listeners, they would love to have that differentiated, exciting brand to take to market and they have a really hard time building the business case to get the budget mm-hmm. to build that out. Can you share with us a little bit about the early steps, not the byproduct of what you've done, but how did you get there? For those that are listening, that are like, I want to do something like this. How did you get to the point where you said, okay, we've got buy-in from our executives that this is something we should invest in. And this can be really cool. Great, great question. You have to always connect it to a business outcome. Right. You can't take this as an intrinsically good exercise. It's not. I mean, this is business and you have to view yourself as a whether you like myself in communications or if you're in talent acquisition, um, you have to view yourself coming to the table when you're talking about employer branding, recruitment marketing, that this is something that's going to grow the bottom line. Right. This is something that is going to make the business stronger. And you have to actually show that it's not just say it will. Let's talk about specifically what it will do. You know, will it get more candidates in the door? Will we be able to validate that somehow? Will we, you know, because the, the ephemeral qualities of branding are important, right? The, the things that it does, the personality that it exudes, that stuff is very important. But make no mistake, the reasons why companies brand, it's not just, it's not only to have a positive reputation. That's a huge element of it. But it's to fuel growth in some way or to fuel some outcome, perhaps not growth. Maybe there's something else. But the whole the whole job of, of us as, as communicators, as marketers is to help grow that business, is to help create as wide of a funnel as possible to get as many customers down the line and as many candidates in the, in the pipeline as possible. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the ultimate thing. You have to connect the need to brand to an outcome. And when you identify that, that outcome, um, I, I think that's, that's really how you get your, your budget. That's how you get your support. That's how you get your involvement from other people because they're gonna see how that outcome could help them. Any chance that you could make this tangible? Like, what was the business outcome that you tied it to? 
And my follow-up question, and maybe I should ask it after you've answered, but my follow-up question is, who did you work with internally to build that business case out? Yeah, so how do we make it tangible? It's the first question. So we made it tangible by looking at, you pointed out, right? It's a, it was, we were an early brand, we, a new brand, uh, one that didn't have a lot of probably very little awareness at the very beginning. This was years ago. Um, we knew that was a problem. We knew that the low level of brand awareness did nothing to help us get more candidates in the door. Um, people want to, you know, of course, have a great workplace, one that, that stands up for what they believe in, that has a mission that they can identify with, that has, of course, all the other things, compensation benefits. But we needed to have some identity out there to market. We needed something beyond a name, something to stand on, some kind of thing to, to put our people, as we knew that for our business, we, you know, we don't make, you know, big, you know, tanks and planes and, and, and other things that some other companies and competitors do make. So the people are our greatest asset, like I said before. So we have to make sure that our, our people are, you know, have a, a strong external identity to align with. So that was, that was, at the very beginning, that was really that outcome. We needed to have that that thing to latch on to. What was your second question? No, this is a, no, I love it. My second question, my follow-up to that is, who did you work with internally? And I'm actually glad that we're diving sure. into this because a lot of what you're talking about really ties into your corporate culture and into yeah. your company mission and things that are not always owned by talent acquisition brand. Absolutely. Yeah, so we built a very strong bridge with talent acquisition. Like I said, I don't sit in talent acquisition. I'm not a recruiter. I've never been one. Um, I'm a marketer, advertising guy. That's that's what I am. Creative guy. That's it. And uh, we built a really strong bridge. We saw an opportunity where there was a, a business challenge of needing to attract more people to the company. We found a solution of employer branding because I knew it worked. Um, and then we found a partner who could help us build it out and create a, a kind of data infrastructure uh, and a media infrastructure around it to to get that talent in the door and then prove it. Um, we then build partnerships with other other groups within the company, finance, right? Tracking actual hires to revenue figures. We built partnerships with business development in our growth office to help uh, match up recruitment marketing efforts with uh, business pursuits and and things like that. So. And it, it, you know, human resources now, right? So we, we have, of course, there's a huge tie over with human resources, of course, being the parent organization to talent acquisition, you know, in helping shape that culture and helping, um, you know, get those insights that could inform human capital offerings and things like that that could make us an even better place to work. So it's, it's, a, it's a, a story of partnership. This isn't a single entity doing this. And I think that's the biggest thing when you think about brand. I mean, you look at, and, and if, I'll give you one other thought here, right? Brand is something that is at the core of business. Big, you know, companies that are really focused on growth understand the value of this. Sure, there are ways to not do it, right? There are ways, some exceptions to this rule, but the really big companies, the high growth companies across different sectors and different industries, they know their brand inside and out. They know their employer brand inside and out. They tightly align the two, corporate brand, employer brand. It is a it is such a business asset, a, a force multiplier, like I said earlier. Um, and in order for it to really be seen as that central thing, those partnerships are really needed. So in terms of who we build partnerships with, it's it's everybody. And it's always evolving. We keep building more and more. And what we find is that really 
you know, it's needed. I mean, it is something, it is refreshing when we're building these bridges across different parts of a company because getting bigger and bigger with time, there is the, the tendency for some companies to become stovepiped and for people to kind of go off in their own areas and do it. That's not the case for us. We've always made sure that we've knocked down those silos and built bridges so that we, we know what's going on and we're building the same thing together. I, I think that is so key and actually an ongoing conversation that I think is happening in talent acquisition and recruiting is where does the brand sit? Where does the employment brand sit, right? Like the corporate brand, everybody knows where that sits, but where does employment mm-hmm. brand sit? And I think it's different for every organization. I think it's it's eye-opening when you hear how different companies kind of look at it and structure it. But you are absolutely right. It's got to be a cohesive go-to-market strategy that involves everybody in all of these departments that are the brand. And for you, to your point, your people are your brand. Right. Right. I mean, and, and look, let's let's think about this another way too, right? The brand, everything has a home. Most most things have a home, right? Branding is is a function of marketing. I mean, that is a there are, are people who are trained in this to to do that. But it is something that has to be made livable by all those people in all those other areas. It has to be made in more than just a microcosm of a company, right? One area where it can't be translated easily and other people can't identify with it and take it to the streets in their own way. That's what's been really successful about our brand is that it's it was a very human brand to begin with. And so it was it was one where people got it. And they, you know, even if they're not involved at all in these these kind of branding exercises, they they take do that can't be done, and they are they're talking about it on social media, they're talking about it with their customers, their friends. They are proud to wear it on their shirt. Um, they they're they're it, it really has been a good case study in how to do this right. And I think it's it is uh, like I said, I, I guess foot stopping the point here about that partnership element. That's that's really and it's important. worth stomping the foot on. Um, it's a really important one. And we are, as I mentioned in our opening, we are celebrating Military Appreciation Month um, this month. And being a government contractor, the military is really key to you guys on two sides of the business. One, they are your client. And two, I would assume they're a pretty good resource for you guys in recruiting. Um, as far as, you know, the, the type of talent that you're trying to bring in. How does that impact the way that you build out your brand? Um, and, and I think coming from Northrop, this is probably something you've been embedded in for quite a while, not just at Paraton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, the transitioning military, you know, the military veterans who are leaving the service and, and coming out into the private sector, they are invaluable. They understand the mission. They've been there. They understand... Um, teamwork. They understand how to collaborate. I, they are an invaluable asset for Paraton um, and for our whole industry and for any company. I mean, they, they, there are there are qualities that you are taught in the military and and skills that, frankly, just aren't taught in the private sector, and they're very valuable to have. So you know, we we approach it by creating a very favorable environment internally to them. A very you know. A, a, one that helps them navigate the big change that's going on as they're leaving the military, because it is a very different environment. It is not the same thing, especially now that, that our company is mostly all remote. We do have, of course, people on customer sites when, when, uh, as needed, but, um, you know, that, that change, that transition is something we've really focused on. You know, we have an uh, employee resource group focused on veterans. We have a number of programs that we participate in from a, Government level, if we received a lot of awards for our support of the military and 
um, of transitioning veterans uh, over to the uh, private sector. So they're, they're incredibly high. I actually hadn't thought about that, Ben. And I, I am shocked that it's actually just now like being brought up into my sphere. My, my brother um, spent 25 years in the Navy. He transitioned out um, about three years ago. But I, when I say he transitioned out, I kind of laugh as I say it because he couldn't navigate that transition or I shouldn't say couldn't, (laughs) but he ended up going into private defense. Um, I think that is still kind of, in the same line of what he does. But I hadn't thought about the impact of the pandemic specifically for our veterans. And they're so used to the teamwork and being in teams and being around teams. That's got to be kind of isolating for them. It's isolating for everybody. None of us really, I mean, I shouldn't say none of us. People love working from home, obviously. But um, a lot of us don't like the isolation that the pandemic has put on us. And that's had to have a, a really big impact. Can you share a little bit more about what you guys are doing and what types of programs? I think we're all struggling with how do we create that community within this virtual environment, but you've guys got to be seeing it a lot heavier than we are. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a work in progress. And I think that's been one of the great parts of, about being part of this company is that we're, we've always been in the spirit of building and that we know we're building a company. And it's not one that, you know, is just simply here and, and is Parts are not immovable. Um, and, you know, COVID threw a, a curveball toward everybody. I mean, we, we were lucky enough, um, you know, because of what we do, we, we didn't have much of an impact during the pandemic, right? We're part of the, the national critical infrastructure. Um, and what I will say is that we, we do a really good job of having a digital first company. So from the bat or off the bat, we, we had everything, all of our enterprise tools were cloud-based. So as soon as we had to go home, work continued. For those who had to do, who were working on customer sites, you know, they had a Herculean effort moving stuff over to working remotely. Some of them have returned since then, um, you know, in, in being consistent with customer guidance. But um, yeah, when we we make sure that we provide our employees with the right tools, the right IT infrastructure. Um, we make sure, you know, we're always encouraging, you know, feedback. We have an engagement survey going out. We have um, a lot of management touch, touch points, manager touch points, performance reviews, those type of things to encourage consistent conversations while people are uh, a step removed from the office. Um, and, you know, I think that it will continue to get more advanced in our approach as we keep living through this. I think no company has all the answers. It's, it's uh, seeing what works. I mean, think about it. We were up until then, I mean, companies had, I don't even say they perfected the office, right? It was, it was, (laughs) even that was imperfect. So now it's another, a whole departure from that. And we're having to get smart on it uh, and, and kind of advance our own practices at a very fast pace. So I've been proud of the progress we've made. I think it's been pretty impressive. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I think, yeah, for everybody, everybody's trying to figure out right now, what is that secret sauce? Is there a secret sauce? And how do we, how do we acclimate to the new norm um, that we're all living in? You you know, on that, I I think there's, there's some stuff that's not, um, let's say, it's not, it doesn't have to be codified. It just needs to be lived. So thing, you know, traits like empathy, right? Understanding that people have other things going on in their life when they're at home 
that they might not may have had might have been able to isolate a bit more while they're physically at an office, you know, before COVID. So understanding, I mean, th- this really happened a lot in the early days of the pandemic. We're we're moving past that now, um, but I think that empathy is still really important. You don't know what's going on. You aren't seeing people every day, so you can't really get the full story. Even if you have stuff like you know video meetings and Zoom meetings and all those things, you, you you can't sense all that. So it's always approaching conversations with a sense of empathy that something else might be going on. Um, and some of the understanding. And at the same time, you know, the, the other part of my job is is creative. So, you know, the creativity side is is I don't think it's it's any more difficult virtually. I think there's it's just that you, know, you have to be creative and be creative <laughs> now. Right? You have, to, you have to, you know, rubber is meeting the road here a little bit. And there's always a value to having in-person meetings. I agree. I, but I think there's also tremendous value in having, you know, always being in quote unquote the lab. Right, being here in your own place where you can quickly collaborate with people and touch, touch on things and and create things as needed. So, you know, I see there's pros and cons to both sides of that. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of that, being on the brand side, being on the creative side, we have been for the last two years in a state of constant change, and mm-hmm. oftentimes we see employers go through big brand projects that sit stagnant. How have you guys been able to build and execute on a brand project, but keep it up to date with the constant state of change that we're in? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, it, it's it's kind of interesting because when you're in those those decision points, when you're at those decision points of should we do it or should we not do it, the you know, there's generally that I've experienced. There's two sides of that coin. One is do it because you know the world's going to keep changing or don't do it because we don't know what's going to happen. My opinion is if you have an informed, if you're really understanding and you're, and you're looking out at the broader landscape and you're, and you are, you're doing your research and you are consulting with the right people and you have a, you have set up your plan, not just, you know, in terms of the, the, the perfect plan, but one that is driven by measurable goals and objectives then I think, you know, that's what ultimately drives things because those goals and objectives, they shouldn't be dependent or contingent upon a pandemic, right? They're growth goals. There are things that, that are needed regardless of a pandemic existing or not existing. You need to move the business forward. And from a brand perspective, I think, I mean, that's, that's connected to that, right? If we're doing a brand project, there's an outcome there that is measurable. It's not just a, a like I was saying earlier, it's not just a, uh, kind of a fanciful project we're taking on because we're, we're tired of what we have. It's something which does happen occasionally. You see that in some places. But the old, what's the old saying? A client gets tired of their own work first. And, you know, I, I think that uh, you have to ground it in those goals and objectives. You have to always operate on an outcome. And then that guides your decision. If your outcome is dependent upon a pandemic or, or it will be disrupted by the pandemic, maybe you should wait. But if it isn't, why would you wait? It's a really good point. Um, and as we've all learned in this constant state of change, the world keeps moving forward. Business keeps moving forward. We might have fits and starts. Um, we might have disruptions, but we've got to figure out how to work through those disruptions and and keep going. And that, I think, has been, you know, a really evolving and eye-opening experience for a lot of people. And we have seen it derail some companies. We've seen companies that have gone from a much more proactive, strategic viewpoint to a, we've got to, you know, fix the burning bridges and we can no longer like 
it's, it's hard to do both of those at the same time. It's really hard to look and focus on the long term when you're, you're putting out constant fires. Um, and so we've seen a lot of organizations get derailed. I'd be curious if that's been your experience or how you guys have worked through that. Well, that's something that you do have to really manage. And it's a little bit, I like that, that nuance you added there. The need to go incredibly tactical, incredibly fast, absent any strategy or guidance or direction is, is dangerous. I think that there's, there's two schools of thought on this. I think depending on who you ask, some people say, well, you know, that's fine because it got me X. Well, did it also get you Y and Z? Did it get, did it get you closer to the, the bigger thing that is actually worth a lot more, you know, dollars or whatever you're measuring it in? Or did it just satisfy the need for today? And so I, I, there is a, an incredible need to be strategic, and that's a buzzword. I get it. But w- what does that mean? It, again, going back to executing on goals and objectives. And those objectives are not these silly things that you put out there and are, um, you know, made up little thing. They're actually measurable, quantifiable, time-driven or time-bound uh, things that you will affect in the world to help your brand. And if you're talking about brand development and stuff, I mean, that's that's a little different. But again, there's objectives as that. There's a, a goal in, in refining a brand, defining a brand, asserting a brand, anything. Um, but I, so I do think that, yes, people have some brands have done uh, uh, have dipped a little too far into the, the incredible ta- incredibly tactical route. There has to be a counterbalance on strategic planning, strategic thinking, um, because at the end of the, maybe not the end of the day, but at the end of the year, you're evaluated on performance on the big picture, not just the micro. Yeah. And honestly, to bring this back to the military, I think that's why that talent is so valuable in the civilian workforces, because they have been trained to do exactly that, right? Like if they are at war, there is a big picture. And even though you may be losing those daily battles, they understand what the long-term vision is and what their goals are and how to handle minute by minute disruptions while still driving towards that end goal. And mm-hmm. and you're right. Those are sometimes not skills that we are taught um, that when we infuse other skill sets into the business, it can make us more productive and, you know, something that you guys service um, the government sector. So I think it's a little bit more natural for, for your business, but I think that, you know, it's something that, that all businesses and all practitioners that are listening today can take from and hopefully start to, to bring more of them into their businesses. Absolutely. Uh, ben, I could keep talking forever. This has been such a great conversation. Um, we need to get into our last segment of the day. Before we do, um, anything else that you'd love to add or want to make sure that our listeners take away from today's conversation? Well, like you, I probably can keep talking for the rest of the day. <laughs> um, this has been a, a great conversation. I, I it, you know, I, I would say right, we're, we're in this world where your head's down a lot. It continues to be down. We just mentioned the tactical effort. I think that there needs to be people should always think about building those partnerships to create a stronger brand. Brand is an asset that some companies really value. Some companies don't understand. Some, some people don't understand. And when, when you start to pivot that and you start to, to make the brand not something that is, you know, limited to things like your font and your color and your logo, but actually make it something that is 
um, that that kind of vision of the company, that kind of that that you know, you, you just talked about. What are you driving toward? Well, the brand is is kind of a, a a roadmap of sorts, right? That is the thing you're striving for on a daily basis to live up to this brand. And I think good brands are are those that that really understand their place in the world and that that drive that place in the world, that understanding of, of what that is and, and the value they provide to, to people uh, in their own employee base. They're making sure their employees understand that too. So that's what I'd say. I'd say that if people take nothing else away from this, it's that brand is not something that's just this thing stuck on a shelf. It is at the core of your business. It's at the core of everything. We buy things in the store based on branding, whether that's a brand name or a generic product. There's brand attributes across the board that drive decisions, purchasing decisions, that drive employment decisions. And do you want to work somewhere because it might look like this or seem like this? Or maybe it's, maybe that's a bad perception. Maybe their, their brand isn't that great. You don't want to work there. Um, and I would say also be honest in your brand. You have to be very honest in it. You can't, you know, don't lie. That seems to be, you know, that's timeless advice. Don't lie. You know, you can't mislead people in making up this fanciful brand that is not true. That's the other part. So create a believable brand that is, you know, um, that is built into every part of your business. That's what I'd say. It is great advice. And especially, I think, in the recruiting world, um, it holds especially true because if you do lie and tell untruths and have an inauthentic brand, you end up with even higher turnover and struggle with retention. So it becomes very, very vital to the business because otherwise you are throwing out all of that wasteful time and money that you've spent on recruiting the talent. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then it just sours really quickly. So yes, great advice. Mm-hmm. So Ben, we are going to get into kind of our rapid fire questions, same questions that we ask all of our guests. Um, what is the one book or podcast that you would recommend from this past year? I'm going to get in trouble if I say the title of it. it we can bleep you out. No, just extra, say it. They have an expletive <laughs> in it. Um, yeah. I mean, you can't yeah, bleep no, me you, out? No, you are allowed to curse. We are we are all adults listening to this. <laughs> uh, I deal with a conservative set. Maybe I shouldn't. I'll just say do the bleeping work. I'll just say that. Uh, Lowbrow advice for high-level creativity. It's, uh, it's a book by, uh, <laughs> I'll just say GFDA. <laughs> Um, and I, I don't know if you've read it. It's a phenomenal book. It, it's these it's a story about these these guys that that came together and you know, they're designers and these creatives, and they have just all of these lessons on creativity and you know how to cultivate it within yourself and with your team. And it's it's a it's a great book, um, you know, and it's it, it gets you out of your your comfort zone, which is great. And I'm, I'm such an opponent of comfort zones. They don't serve you any good. So, um, that's, that's been the book that I've, it's, I'm staring at it right now. Actually, it's a, it's a great book that's on the shelf and, uh, informs a lot of people. So do the expletive work. <laughs> yes. Let's just say that. <laughs> Got it. Um, who is the one person you think everyone should follow? Okay. So I got a couple. So I think that so Gary Vaynerchuk for a few reasons. So he's one that I like. You know, I, I like his delivery of of kind of ways to work, and 
I, I, I really like that. I like the hustle culture. I like all of that stuff. I think that there's, there's something that, you know, it keeps you from feeling too corporate. I think that's something that, you know, we have to be appropriate in where we work and read the room, of course, but you should never deny who you are, right? You should never lose that kind of fire within you to help build the business faster, be a little scrappy. I think that's one of the great attributes of our companies that we're kind of scrappy, right? I mean, this is, we're a, we're a, 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 a tenacious uh, group of people that are going to grow as fast as we can and build the best company that we can. So I think he, he has a lot of good advice there. Um, and I'd say on the other side, right? So from a creative perspective, I, I'm going to go a little offbeat here. I'm going to say Timbaland. Ah. So Timbaland was, you know, you know, super producer, right? He's done some incredible work over the pandemic. He launched Versus. Uh, great. Uh, it's a great uh, program, right? It's all online. Uh, Versus TV. It's, it's great. It's great to see that creativity. And it's great to see somebody take advantage of an opportunity like that. Build a lot of bridges, get a lot of people involved and engaged in, in music. What is the next cool piece of technology that you're excited for? Yeah. So this is um, uh, there's definitely a lot of shine to this right now, right? You look at metaverse, you look at you know Web 3.0, all this stuff. But I do think that there's something core to this, right? Blockchain technology has been around for a long time. Actually, Paraton was we created the first blockchain. Like ever? Uh, that was a, that, the first blockchain was created back in the last year. Did not know that. In, in, yeah, back in the 90s. So a long time ago, we have some content actually coming out about that uh, in a little while. But um, we, we did create So that technology is, is really core to the future. So I think that that the blending of the physical and the digital world is is people are talking about that. That's that's going to be interesting. I'm really interested in the seamless integration. So to seeing things like Ray-Ban, Ray-Ban stories, the smart glasses that came out, we've seen some of this before with other companies and you know, jury's still out on if Ray-Ban's going to succeed or fail with Meta. But I think that that whole, the attempt to make things as integrated into our life as you know the way a camera on a phone is integrated now is appealing. And at the same time, you know, is this even the level of integration we'll get, right? A phone, right? Maybe that's not even that integrated. There might be something we're not even conceiving right now that's even more integrated. Some people might call it dystopian. I think it's very exciting. Um, and at the same time, though, I think that there's this, you know, after that happens or while that's happening, I'm also excited to see the things that will be created to help create some balance and to create healthy use of this technology and of these platforms um, because we've seen the, the consequences of overuse and of, or, you know, improper use. And I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see kind of like you think about Mint and personal capital, what they did for personal finance and helping people understand their finances a bit better. Same thing on this kind of digital life uh, metaverse Web 3.0 side is, is understanding, you know, that, that industry that might pop up here to think about that balance. So that's what I'm excited about. I think there is a lot that could be tapped into there. And I agree. I think it's really interesting. It's fascinating what is coming. um, And it will be really interesting to see the applications for it. Mm -hmm. Ben, if people want to know more about Paraton, more about the brand work that you do, want to connect with you and talk shop, how do they find you? Yeah, by all means, send me a note. Uh, Find me on LinkedIn. So Ben Ingham. And then Instagram, I am Ben Ingham is the, the other one. So yeah, feel free. Send me a note. Love to talk shop. 
And anything else that you want to talk about? Awesome, Ben. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know that um, we have added a ton of value for our listeners and for everybody joining us. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Ben. Thanks so much. Thank you all so much for tuning in while you have your head down working on a project or maybe working out or simply vegging out. We love speaking with practitioners across industries to understand what work looks like on the front lines. We are all in this together and we truly want to make work better for all of us. If you want to continue listening, please remember to subscribe to the RM podcast for the latest and greatest in recruiter marketing trends. Drop us a note if you have any hot topics you'd like to hear more about. And as always, happy listening. Happy listening.